Jesus with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem. They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples do not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of your hypocrisy, you hypocrites, as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is, given to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. In many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. From, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Today, we actually resume our teaching back in Mark's Gospel in chapter 7. We picked this back up after Jesus, of course, we know the last few weeks has fed the, the masses. And when that occurred, we learned in John's Gospel, as we picked that up, that they tried to make him their king. And then, of course, the lectionary took us on that five-week journey through the bread of life that we uh, completed last week. And that was given to us to give us a deeper understanding 
of what Jesus really came to offer us. And as I close that teaching last week, I don't know if you caught it or not, <clears throat> but I mentioned to you briefly that there was a, another group in the crowd that day when Jesus' fair-weathered fans began to walk away. Well, they are the group that is the focus of our gospel reading this morning. The other group in the crowd, as we heard today, were the scribes and Pharisees. They were the religious keepers of the law and regulations of the Jewish people. And in fact, by the time Jesus had passed, a couple hundred years later, they had stacked those laws up to over 116, I mean, sorry, 613 of them. They were continually following and monitoring Jesus to build a case against him. They were doing so to try to entrap him or his disciples in some rules violation or something that they could discredit Jesus with and diminish his popularity and his crowd even more. Today we heard Jake and John read from Mark chapter 7 that these religious leaders confront Jesus and his disciples after seeing them not following their rules of ceremonial hand washing that were spelled out, and I should put this to you right here, spelled out to the letter in their rules and traditions. As I thought about that this past week from a different direction after preaching this many times, it occurred to me that over the last two years, we have all heard more about hand washing than we probably have since we were probably five. And I heard about it a lot when I was five. We've also, though, all witnessed an increased sensitivity, an increased sensitivity to rules and regulations that are now being opposed upon us. As Christians, my friends, we know that we need rules in our lives for our own safety. But when too many rules are piled upon us, they can soon have a very different effect. They can divide, and they can even have a discriminating effect. Rules are like guardrails. Rules are like guardrails for our safety, our well-being, and our peace of mind. What feels like a risky journey on, in this defiled world that we walk in is made more secure and somewhat free of worry by the guardrails, laws, and rules of our society. When regulations, when regulations function as our guardrails, our structure for our daily endeavors, they comfort us. But when regulations and rules become our journey, they become our focus, our purpose for the trip, we can soon become imprisoned. Well, how does that happen? Well, folks, that happens out of fear. How many of you here this morning remember a movie titled Shawshank Redemption? Pretty good amount. <clears throat> well, in that film, which was a really good movie, actor Morgan Freeman played a character by the name of Red. Red had spent the prime years of his life wasting away in prison because of a reckless act of violence he committed as a teenager. And after 40 years of incarceration, Red finally received the parole that he had been begging and pleading for for all those years. Red, however, after a lifetime of incarceration, could not free himself from the rules and from the rule particularly of asking permission 
every time he went to the restroom. You see, Red had become institutionalized. His newfound life scared him because he had grown accustomed to a legalized life behind bars. Imprisonment had become a safe place for Red. He didn't have to make any decisions. Someone else did all his thinking for him. But once Red got on the outside, he faced something far more terrifying than incarceration, and that was his freedom. Soon, Red began thinking of ways, in fact, to break his parole so he could go back to the familiar legalized system of rules that had imprisoned him behind bars for 40 years. And old Red summed up his dilemma in one line from that movie. And the line was what you see there today. It's a terrible thing to live in fear. It's a terrible thing to live in fear. That is a powerful, yet very profound statement. Folks, we can easily get imprisoned by rules and quickly become entrapped by legalism like red and become terrified of the freedom that God's grace provides us. It becomes easier to just retreat back into our little prisons of religiosity, or our little prisons of do's and don'ts, our little prisons of fear and separation. But as we know, that's not what God wants for his people. Being trapped by the imprisonment of rules and legalism can keep us from experiencing the abundant life of freedom that's only made possible through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the bread of life. We can very quickly become prisoners to our own safety. I studied this topic this week rather deeply. And I thought about this, and I thought, you know, of all my colleagues in ministry, I have spent more time on the front line of ministry in the last two years through COVID than probably most of them combined. And the one thing that I have learned through all of that, the underlying problem that I saw in everyone was the intense fear in their lives. It became something that I began to notice even more and more, and I began looking into it. And I studied a little bit on it. Fear is given to us by God, as we well know, to protect us. Brake lights come in front of us. It scares us. Adrenaline rush. We pump the brakes, and we stopped, and we're, we're safe. We're given safety. But when people live in fear, my friends, for months or years at a time, those same chemicals that go into our body to push that adrenaline into us to save us start to eat upon our internal organs. And they cause us problems that show up in our lives. And I can tell you firsthand, over the last two years of being in the front line of this COVID battle, that the thing I saw most in people was the fact that they were angered, they were resentful, they had deep anxiety, it drove up drug and alcohol abuse, and domestic violence. Fear over a long period of time, my friends, can be very dangerous for us. In the recovery world, and we're actually all in recovery, folks, because we're all in recovery from sin. But in the rooms of recovery, fear is often defined like this. False evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. You see, the more we fear the journey or the destination, and the more rules pile on us and surround ourselves, 
the more imprisoned we can become. In a sense, our rules become a convenient excuse to cover and become a barrier that we can hide behind, that we don't have to deal with what's still in front of us. These Pharisees lived in a place like that. You see, when rules are out of hand, they soon become like weeds that overrun the garden. Rules can choke out our lives, our future, our faith, our relationships. Think about that young woman you know who's dreaming of a partner to share her life with, but she pushes away any attempt for others to get close to her. Think about that young person who dreams of excelling in their career, yet pushes away any attempt at further education or any promotion that might require trust and humility or might require moving to a new location. Think about that community center built to serve a community of people, yet they post so many rules, so many regulations that only a small inner circle can follow. When our fears rule us, rules get in the way of our relationships and living. Fear is the heart's own deceit. Fear is ultimately what entraps us. Fear is what makes us lonely. Fear is what makes us guarded. Fear is what makes us unapproachable. Fear is what makes us cynical and untrusting. Fear makes us suspicious and biased toward others who don't fit into our legalistic, ever-shrinking, ever-changing, ever-controlling world. The more we fear, the more we tend to separate ourselves from others. And the more we separate ourselves from others, the more we tend to label others. And that can lead us to a place where we can easily become brainwashed to a way of thinking if we're not super careful. Folks, the world's greatest source of bias, exclusion, oppression, and disdain comes from legalistically imposing fears when we fail to seek God's divine wisdom for our lives and let others start seeking that wisdom or thinking for us. Like old Red said, it's a terrible thing to live in fear. In today's gospel passage, Jesus confronted the Pharisees. They came up to him to make an attack at him. They had shut themselves off from the very people they were supposed to be helping, to be teaching, to be guiding into a deeper relationship with God. Instead of fostering healthy relationships with others, instead of teaching others about God's love, care, and salvation, they went about enforcing a litany of legalistic, self-righteous rules that portrayed the people that they had been called to serve. And they also betrayed their calling and their covenant with God. Today's confrontation occurs after these Pharisees who have been watching and waiting for Jesus to trip or stumble, to break a rule, called him out because of his disciples' behavior. They questioned Jesus, saying his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that they were neglecting the traditional rules and ceremonial hand-washing that had been piled on by generations of heretics who were adding additional restrictions to their already heavy laws. So Jesus addresses them. And he addresses them today at verse 6 that we see behind me up here. Jesus says, Well did Isaiah prophesy 
of you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your traditions. That's about as strong as Jesus comes at him right there on the pages of Scripture until he starts flipping tables over. Jesus right here is clearly stating that they were elevating their legalistic, man-made, ever-increasing, self-righteous traditions over God's Word, and that's when it struck a nerve. Jesus was not condemning traditions. Jesus, as we all know, was a devout Jew. He knew the importance of traditions. And he knew that they had a place in their lives, and he knows that they have a place in our lives still today. It was an indictment against them for allowing traditions, for allowing traditions to overturn God's word. That's outside the lines. That's what happens when we pile it on too high. Folks, worship is empty when the rules of men are substituted for the word of God. And that's when Jesus went straight to the heart of the matter with these experts here today. Listen to what he tells them, starting at verse 14. Jesus called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of the person are what defile them. We all know it's very important what we put in our bodies, what we eat. What goes into our bodies is extremely important. But we should also be far more concerned about what we allow to go into our minds. That, my friends, it was what defiles us. We must never forget God calls us to be wise stewards of these temples of our bodies, our souls, and most importantly, our minds. Jesus was saying to these Pharisees on this day and to us this moment that what goes into your mind is what can defile you. That is what can harden our hearts. So Jesus then provides a litany of thoughts and acts of the defiled heart which places barriers between people which blocks new relationships, which can create bias, build silos, and diminish our love of God and of our neighbors. And that was the list that you heard Deacon John read this morning. Those behaviors will thrive in the heart that's been isolated from others by fear, by, by righteous legalism, by social separation, which binds and blinds the heart. Piling on laws, legalism, and various forms of isolation fans the fears. They instill the illusion of keeping us safe from others, but they also keep people locked down, locked down in fear, which can easily be intensified by adding additional rules, regulations, constraints. The self-righteous claim superiority as subject matter experts who are wiser and more important because they are rule makers and not the rule breakers. 
Friends, I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> it can get real lonely real quick on that high pedestal. And that's where they found themselves. Two serious stumbling blocks were revealed in Jesus' indictment against these Pharisees in this scripture today. And those two things are trust and humility. Or should I say their lack of trust and humility? Both, I should point out though, both are fanned fear. And when you get those things going, it fans the fear. Like old Red said, it's a terrible thing to live in fear. What were these Pharisees afraid of? And who might they be in our world today? Were they afraid of losing their power, their authority, their status, their wealth? Or perhaps they're afraid of God. That'd be a good thing to be afraid of. Because God could see their defiled hearts and ours. Like Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? God understands it. And He can see it. Perhaps they're unsure of themselves. Afraid because they're unsure of themselves. So blocked off emotionally and spiritually from God by all the rules that they have imposed upon themselves in hopes they would somehow be brought into a more self-righteous place. The more fear, the less trust they had in themselves and others. But that also meant less trust in God, the person who had called them to serve Him and to serve His people. Folks, as more rules are piled on, the more arrogance builds up. Then false righteousness takes the place of an intimate relationship with our Creator. And God, my friends, desperately desires above all things an intimate relationship with you, His created. He wants an intimate relationship that allows us to stand before Him and admit our faults, admit our shortcomings, admit our imperfections, and more importantly, cleanse ourselves before Him so we can humbly walk before Him with thankful hearts. Only we can... only. When we're able, only when we're able to stand intimately and openly in God's sight can we stand with the trust of God's mercy, love, and undeserved forgiveness for each of us. Just like the Pharisees, we can all stumble. Stumble into the legalism trap, which can block God's love from ourselves, from others, even from our families. We can become imprisoned by our faults, fears, guilts, and shame. And when that happens, we tend to hide behind facades, rules, and excuses. When that happens, we're erecting prison walls around our very own lives. And when that happens, it's virtually impossible to build a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They can empower us to live authentic covenant lives as true disciples, which God created us to be as His chosen God's not seeking religiosity from us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you. And He wants us to live in freedom from legalism, isolation, and fear. God wants us to love Him with all of our heart, 
all of our mind and our soul and our strength, which can then enable us to love him and love others the way he desires for us to do. When we open our hearts to God and to others, loosen the rules that lower the walls, that hide us, bind us, and blind us, our hearts can truly love the way God designed them to love. These Pharisees were so consumed by laws and religion, they missed out on a heart relationship with God. Don't just go through the motions of being a Christian. Give your entire heart, mind, and soul to Jesus Christ daily. You have to do it every day. It's not a one and done deal. There's nothing in this world, folks, that compares with knowing Jesus and knowing God's forgiveness in your life. There's nothing better than being clean before God. And that's only possible through trust in Jesus Christ. Like old Red said, it's a terrible thing to live in fear. So I ask you, are you living in fear today? Because I see hundreds of people every week that are living in fear. And if so, what are you really afraid of? As Paul told the Ephesians in this reading this morning, be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Let me leave you this morning with a closing challenge. Examine your heart daily. Examine your heart daily by examining what goes into your mind. Examine your fears daily because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and that's what we should fear. Examine your relationships with Jesus Christ daily. When Jesus is in your heart and in our hearts guiding and directing our lives, we don't need guardrails. So trust in the Lord and walk humbly and holy before His sight because only faith, my friends, will overcome the fear that is all around us today. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.